What would you be willing to give me if I told you I had the secret, the source of all your problems, all your strife, all your quarrels, the ones within your marriage, the one with your children, all of them? What if I could tell you, here's the source of them all? What would you be willing to give? Three easy payments of $29.99? What would you be willing to give? Well, I'll tell you, the book of James tells us the source of our strife. And if we want to tune in and learn how to solve it, we'll find out more today on Walk in Truth. Welcome to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance. Walk in Truth is a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. So James says, you've been asking, but your motives are wrong. Look at verse 3. You don't get it because your motives are wrong that you may spend it on your pleasures. Now there is a whole movement that is out there that says you can just pray and you're going to get what you want. And that's not true. John 15, Jesus says, verses 7 and 8, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it shall be done for you. By this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. If you abide in me, John 15, 7, my words abide in you, in other words, my will, ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. By this my Father will be glorified if you bear what? Much fruit. That is not a carte blanche, pull the lever and God's gonna give you whatever you want. That is, if you're so closely walking with me and you ask something that's my will in my name by the way if you ask something in the name of Jesus that means it's associated with his will then you'll get whatever you wish so if it's something kingdom oriented something about you know the fruit of the spirit something to win somebody else to Jesus something about the extension of God's kingdom or for God's glory then be assured God wants to bless you with it but this is not something where Hey, I just, you know, I've been told that if I just use this formula in prayer, I'm going to get whatever I want and God's going to become my bellhop in the sky. James says that's wrong. If it's about you and your motives and your your wrong motives and your pleasure, the Father's not going to supply it. And so you may pursue it, but in the end, it's not going to be the best thing for you. So there is a pleasure-mad Christian who has some spiritual sensitivity. He realizes his prayers or her prayers are inappropriate. Somehow he senses that his desire for a Maserati may not be a spiritual essential. (laughs) So he asks for nothing. In fact, he doesn't pray much at all because few of the things he wants are high on the divine priority list. Secondly, some pleasure-seeking believers do express their wrongly motivated desires in prayer, but do not receive. And then some people get disappointed because they've been sold a bill of goods, whatever I ask, and then it doesn't come. And then they wonder, well, is there a God or is this, am I doing the formula wrong? No, there's a God in heaven who wants you to learn to do his will, not your will. And that's one of the biggest things in the Christian life that's a struggle. Amen? To figure out, okay, Father, what is your will and how do I carry it out? And so Spurgeon says, when a man so prays, he asks God to be his servant. 
and gratify his desires. Nay, worse than that, he wants God to join him in the service of his lusts. He will gratify his lusts and God shall come and help him do it. Such prayer is blasphemous, says Spurgeon. But a large quantity of it is offered nonetheless. And it must be one of the most God-provoking things that heaven ever beholds, close quote. Hard, hard truth. But, but imagine how many prayers do go up each day that have to do with that. And so James, pretty heavy-handed, but here it is. He says, you adulteresses. The Greek word is moikos. Some of the older manuscripts say adulterers and adulteresses. Do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Now, some of you may be saying, what, what does this mean? Does this mean that I can't be friends with someone who's a non-Christian? No. What this is saying is that if your whole existence has to do with being yoked up with the world system, which is hedonistic and pleasure-seeking at all costs, then you are going to be hostile to God. You're going to be fighting your maker if your whole existence has become defined by what you possess, what you have, the power, the money, you name it. James says that's what the world does. And if you yoke up with the world then you're in hostility towards God. Hey, it's hard to hear, but here's the truth. And if you make yourself a friend of the world, you become an enemy of God. Turn over to 1 John, just a few pages to your right. 1 John chapter 2. John dealing with this same subject, 1 John 2 says these words. This is verse 15. 1 John 2, 15 says, Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, and by the way, the word here is agape. If they agape the world, the love of the Father is not in him. 1 John 2, 16. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but it's from the world. And the world, verse 17, is passing away. And also it's lust. But the one who does the will of God abides forever. Turn back to the book of James. And so the idea of adultery or adulteresses is the idea of one who cheats in a relationship. We all know what adultery is. And that's what James, is, in essence, is saying. He's saying, look, just like Israel of old, if you do this, you commit adultery on your maker. He wants fidelity, don't you? If you come into a covenant relationship with someone at the altar and you say, I do, then your expectation, whether you are the bride or the groom, is fidelity. Define it, Pastor Michael. Here it is, faithfulness. I commit to you, you commit to me, and the expectation is that we're going to be one. We're going to be committed to one another. When we enter the new covenant with God, we know God is faithful, and he's asking us to be faithful. He's asking us to show fidelity to him and his kingdom. He's asking us not to walk as the world walks. Such friendship with the world means that one is on a footing of hostility towards God. This is from Moffat. 
for it defies his will and despises his purposes. Disguise it as one may, it is an implicit challenge to God, close quote. And so I heard of a story of a hip young man. He <clears throat> bought one of those cool cars. It was a Ferrari GTO. Pretty cool, got to admit. He took it out for a spin. He stopped at a red light. An old man uh, on a moped pulled up next to him. The old man looked over the sleek, shiny car and asked, What kind of car you got there, sonny? That's a Ferrari GTO. It cost a half million dollars, old man. That's a lot of money. Why does it cost so much? Because this car can go over 200 miles an hour, stated the proud young man. The moped driver asked, Mind if I take a look inside? No problem, replied the owner. So the old man poked his head in the window, looked around. Sitting back on his moped, the old man said, That's a pretty nice car. All right. Just then the light changed and the driver decided to show the old man just what the car could do. So he floored it and within 30 seconds the speedometer read 160 miles per hour. Suddenly he noticed a dot in his rearview mirror. It was getting closer. He slowed down to see what it could be and whoosh! Something whipped by him much, much faster. What on earth could be going faster than my Ferrari? The young man said to himself. Then ahead of him he saw a dot coming toward him and whoosh! It went by him again, this time heading in the opposite direction. It looked like the old man on the moped. Couldn't be, he thought. How could a moped outrun a Ferrari? Once more, though, he saw the dot in his rearview mirror, followed by a bang as the speeding object crashed into the back of his coveted Ferrari. The young man jumped out and saw the old man lying on the pavement. He ran to him and asked, Is there anything I can do for you? The old man whispered, unhook my suspenders from your rear view mirror. <laughs> yeah. Man, that's a fast moped. <laughs> oh, man. The lesson? Watch out what you get hooked to. Here's verse 5. We've identified the source. Now let's talk about the Spirit's role. Do you think that the Scripture speaks, verse 5, James 4, to no purpose? He, God, jealously desires the Spirit which He has made to dwell in us. Now I know commentators have said that the language here is a little difficult uh, NIV says, do you think uh, Scripture says without reason that the spirit, lowercase, he caused to live in us envies intensely? New King James says, do you think that the Scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously? And the RSV says he yearns jealously over the spirit which he has made to dwell in us. I'll save you a lot of reading and debate to tell you that I believe that what James is saying is that the Holy Spirit lives in us, simply put, because when you become a believer, you become what? The temple of the Holy Spirit. And you can grieve the Spirit, and since we're in covenant with our Maker, He yearns that we would be faithful to Him, and when we are in quarrels and we are in friendship with the world, and it's all about our pleasure-seeking and wrong motives, the Spirit has some jealousy towards us to bring us back to where we should be. Now, somebody says, 
Wait a minute now. This is that whole jealousy. Hey, listening family, this is Pastor Michael, and I want to tell you about the store at walkintruth.com. There's 27 products up at the store right now, ranging from things like the teaching on 666 from the book of Revelation, the seven seals from Revelation, Scientology, Jehovah's Witnesses, the anatomy of a fall, how to avoid falling from 2 Samuel, and even teaching on the occult. Most recently, an interview with Frank Sontag about the New Age movement and his personal testimony. Hey, when you go to the store and you purchase a product, you partner with us to reach more people like you. So go to the store, walkintruth.com, click on the store, purchase a product of interest, buy it for a friend, and when you do, you'll be partnering with us to reach more people for the cause of Christ. We love you. We appreciate you. You can also give donations there at walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. Click on that store and partner with us today. We appreciate it. God bless you. We'll talk to you soon. And when we are in quarrels and we are in friendship with the world and it's all about our pleasure seeking and wrong motives, the spirit has some jealousy towards us to bring us back to where we should be. Now, somebody says, wait a minute now. This is that whole jealous God thing of the Old Testament. Is God a jealous God? Yes. Here, here's the sense of it. Not in some weird, whacked out, unhealthy jealousy. But he is zealous for us to be in close relationship with him. And aren't you, if you're in a covenant with someone right now and someone was cheating on you, would you be jealous? You would, I hope. Because you're, you love that person and your expectation is that when you're in covenant with that person, they're going to be faithful to you and you to them. And jealousy would be the natural overflow. If you saw someone that you love in covenant with you messing around with somebody else or flirting with somebody else, that's how God feels in the healthiest way. And you should be, I should be kind of thrilled by this sense that God loves us so much that he's actually jealous for us. If he didn't care about you, he wouldn't care about what you do. But when you're flirting with the false gods of the world, God, the Spirit here in verse 5, gets jealous in the best sense of that word. A healthy, godly jealousy that you would be close to him and one with him. We, we, we experience it, humanly speaking, and we can understand how God would feel too. We can grieve the Holy Spirit, Ephesians 4. And apparently when we are flirting with the world or we go off into the world, the Spirit of God within us gets jealous for our commitment or recommitment to Him. That's why as a Christian, if you go running off back into the world and the pleasure-seeking of the world, you're going to feel an uneasiness in your soul. And that may well be the Holy Spirit saying to you, don't do that. Stop cheating on me. Come back. See, these are the realities of what it means to be a Christian. When we're walking in the Spirit, we see all those beautiful fruits. But when we're warring against the Spirit, Galatians 5, 17, the Spirit against the flesh and the flesh against the Spirit, sometimes we don't do what we want to do. And so the Spirit responds to this this way of life, if you will, where some 
We'd have to say, if you have the Spirit, then you've got to be a Christian. So this can't be a professing Christian. This has to be a true Christian, but one that is carnal. The Holy Spirit's within them, but they're off in the world. They're off like the prodigal. They, they belong to the Father, but they've gone off to spend uh, their resources, their Father's resources on their own pleasures. The prodigal came to his senses, we all know, but it took rock bottom and him being in the pig pen in the mud. And sometimes that's what it takes for us. So we run off to the world and the spirit begins to beat on us and says, what are you doing? Let's, let's have a close love relationship right here. You'll find all that you need. So let's talk about, we've talked about the source, the spirit's role or response. Let's see the solution. Final verse. But he, God, gives a greater grace, or in greater degree, God gives grace. So God will give grace. Therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud, but what does he do? He gives grace to the humble. The solution to quarreling and worldliness is found in one word. It's humility. The Hebrew word for humility literally is pictured in getting low. This is the word picture in Hebrew. Pride sits high so I can look down on everybody else. Humility gets low so I can look up. So I can be a servant to God and a servant to others. When I'm looking down at everybody, I'm prideful and I'm going to be in a wrong spot. In fact, I am going to be in opposition to God. Notice, look at verse 6. God is opposed to the proud. The word oppose means to resist, to withstand, to, uh, I think one commentator has it, that God puts himself in battle array against the proud. Imagine for you football fans, if you lined up on the line of scrimmage, on the other side was God. Ready! 99! Right? Some of you say, that's a weird image, Pastor Michael. What do you mean? Imagine if the other wrestler was God. The, all right, you put on your stuff, right? All right, you ready? But Jacob wrestled with God. All night long. And then God zapped him on his hips. <laughs> Never walked the same again. Look, if you want God to be in opposition to you, if you want to knock heads, if you want to wrestle, you can. Here's how you do it. Just be proud and quarrelsome and worldly then God will line up in battle array against you. And some of you have been battling God for weeks and months and years, and you keep hitting your head, and you're like, oh, I think I'll be all right. Let's try that again. And you keep knocking your head against your maker. Can I just save you some bruises on your noggin? You're going to continue to lose. God will oppose the proud, but he will what? He will give what? Grace to the humble. Solution, 
humble yourself. And God will give you grace, grace, and more grace. In fact, the idea here is it's inexhaustible. He'll give a greater degree. John 1.17, he'll give grace upon grace. You can bring your little cup to the Pacific Ocean and wonder, is there going to be enough water to fill my grace cup today? And God's waves of grace just keep coming and coming. And all you got to do is bring your cup and kneel and scoop it up. And you'll get grace and grace and more grace to heal relationships, to heal worldliness, to quell conflicts. This is the healing antidote. Why aren't more people doing it? Just simply humble yourself. Doesn't it sound easy? Mm, by that reaction, I think not. Man, we all got to fight pride, right? We all have to fight responding in a way that is prideful. There are six things which the Lord hates. Yes, seven which are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, Hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that defies wicked plans, feet that run rapidly to evil, a false witness who utters lies, and one who spreads strife among brothers. A haughty look, a lying tongue. It seems clear as you go through the book of James and the measuring stick hits you with a painful slap. How can I do this? How, how can I stop doing this dance? How can I get better in my relationships and the way I respond to difficulty in my walk with the Lord, not being selfish in my prayer requests? You can't. You need grace. And he wants to give you all that you could handle and more. And the way that you receive it is simply humility. Humility. Something like this. Father, I don't have the resources to stop responding this way. So would you help me? I need your grace. Will the Lord despise a prayer like that? If you said, I want to love my spouse better this week, would you give me the grace to love better this week? Your father's going to say, there you go. Would you give me the grace to be better in this situation, better at work? You name it. If it's about loving better, serving better, glorifying God more, you're going to get more grace than you need. Can I get a witness? God will be faithful to give you boldness to preach the gospel, to help you to overcome habitual sin patterns. Would you give me the grace and you humble yourself under his mighty hand and he will exalt you at the proper time as you cast all your care upon him because he cares for you. Do you believe it? So James gives us the source, how the spirit responds and the solution. It's in verse six. God will oppose you if you're proud, but he'll give grace if you humble yourself. Would you pray with me? Father, I know it's so hard even as I say the words, as James uh, puts up the mirror of the word of God, how many times I have failed personally, Lord, to take a knee, whether it was literally or metaphorically, and say, Lord, would you give me grace to be better in this situation? Would you help me stop responding the way that I have a thousand times? Would you, instead of me trying to manufacture something from my flesh, would you give me your grace because I know your grace is sufficient for everything I need and my weaknesses. And when I'm weak, 
then I can be strong if I tap into grace. And sometimes, Lord, the truth is we just haven't plugged in. We just haven't taken those moments to get with you so we can be right when we get with others. So help us, Lord, with those priorities. Help us not to take for granted that we will respond this way without spending time with the face of grace, who's Jesus. And our great high priest, I know, is the great dispenser of grace. And we come to a throne of grace to get mercy and help in time of need. And that section in Hebrews 4, Father, we know deals with when we're tempted, when we're struggling, when we want to give up, when we're tired of responding the way we do, you'll give us grace. If we just simply come to the throne of the King, and he'll give us all the grace we need. And help us to walk out one day at a time your priorities by your grace for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, listening family. If you're new to Walk in Truth, my name is Michael Lance. I'm the senior pastor of Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona in Southern California. Hey, recently I've written a book called Suit Up, putting on the full armor of God. It shows you how to put on what God has provided so that you can stand strong in the spiritual battle and stand strong against temptation with the resources that God provides. This book is available at the store at walkintruth.com. Go to walkintruth.com, click on the store, click on the book. I'll get you a signed copy and your donation will help support Walk in Truth and help us reach out to more people. Again, the book is Suit Up, Putting on the Full Armor of God, available at walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Pastor Michael would love to hear from you. You can write him when you visit walkintruth.com.